Welcome to the Collections by Michelle Brown Show, a show about people living between the lines, standing boldly in the crosshairs of their intersectionality as they create change. This episode is brought to you in partnership with the Center for Peace Counseling and Holistic Healing Services. Welcome to Collections by Michelle Brown. I'm your host, Michelle Brown. Each week, we'll be talking with people living between the lines, standing boldly in the crosshairs of their intersectionality and creating change. Growing up on Detroit's Northwest Side, C. Amani Williams loved learning about Black culture, books, cheerleading, softball, and was involved in other community-based activities. While living in Detroit, Imani was the first full-time employee of the Rufella Center, where she ran the drop-in center and street outreach program. She was founder of PFLAG Family Reunion Detroit Chapter and served on the board of Black Pride Society for Detroit's Hotter Than July. Her background includes work in guidance, counseling, communications, journalism, and creative writing. She's written for several publications, including Michigan's Between the Lines newspaper and a weekly column, Queer Voices from an Urban Bush Sister on Travel Pride. A creative determined to live her purpose as a healing artist, Imani has used a combination of holistic creative arts, including yoga, meditation, mindfulness, poetry, and jewelry to empower others in Michigan, California, Nevada, and beyond. Her work pays homage to the ancestors and elders who paved the way while she works towards a black art-infused better tomorrow. Her Standing on United Love Soul project provides a safe space where community members can explore the issues of the day affecting black communities. Imani presents on LGBTQ issues across the country at conferences, workshops, and other events. She's building a legacy to leave not just for her community, but for her children and grandchildren. Imani, welcome to Collections by Michelle Brown. How are you today? Well, I am here with a friend who goes way back, way back, C. Imani Williams. You know, it was funny before we started doing this, Imani, we were talking about how far we went back into things that aren't here anymore, like the Detroit Women's Coffee House. And what a great place that was, you know? Yes. Absolutely. And uh, and we were also talking about, I can recall meeting you there. I also remember meeting your daughters, and we didn't all meet together because it was like your daughters were part of this program, Detroit Summer, and they talked about their mother, but I knew you from the coffee house. 
And it wasn't until we did a thing at the coffee house and we let the young people come in and you were there and all of a sudden like the light bulb went in like, you know, oh, mothers. Right. Right. Mothers. You know, and that was just like so amazing. And you are a part of you know, you you are no, you're in Las Vegas, but you are a part of Detroit in so many ways. Uh, being there at the coffee house, that was such a unique place because as a lesbian, that was a place where we could go, you know, outside of yeah. bars or wherever else. It was like a safe place. But then you had your daughters, and you let them be involved in a program, which is relatively new, that was about building community. And that's a part of you. Yes. Absolutely. Absolutely. And the other part is like, you're still, you may have be out there, but you're still a Detroit person. You know, Detroit is at your heart. We did a podcast on LG, what is it, BIPOC Queer Voices, and one of the things you did was a shout-out to Detroit. What are some of your yeah. fondest memories of the city that you feel sort of helped form you being the woman that you are today? Um, certainly one of, one of my um, most esteemed uh, spiritual places just to go in and, and collect my thoughts is Belisle. Just going and um, and sitting at the water, I have my favorite spot. Um, I am a Northwest Detroit Girl for Life. As a matter of fact, I just got um, Detroit Girl for Life tees for my girls and I because <laughs> um, uh-huh. I, I have to represent. I have to represent. I, I love my city. Um, you can say anything you want to, but don't talk about Detroit. You know, uh-huh. I will let the, I will let folks know, especially out here, um, you know, in Nevada, you know, in California. Yeah, we we can't, we can't, we wear Detroit very proudly, and I carry it on my heart every day. So Belle Isle would be um, a, a top spot. Um, I would say. Wherever there is, like, good street art, you know, I love the avenue of fashion. I grew up in northwest Detroit. I will say that, you know, again and again. And um, Livernois Avenue, the avenue of fashion was was known for and is coming back as what it was, which is um, a place for black business to thrive. You know, we talk about community, community. just being in, and overall, just my biggest thing is about Detroit was growing up when I grew up in the 70s um, on Pine Harris and Seven Mile. Very special time. Community is like everything to me. Um, and growing up right there during that time um, with the civic um, obligation recognized by parents in the community, um, we had the Northwest Detroit Cougars Little League Association, which was is just in my blood. 
My mother was a coach, softball and cheerleading for a couple of decades. Um, But having that type of community, um, which was founded by um, Rest in Power, um, Mr. Petros, Mr. Irving Petros, who was um, at, during my tenure at Mumford High School, he was principal. But he was responsible for founding that organization with parents in the community. So he was able to look at um, and know at a very early age when kids were even coming, you know, in up through elementary school, and certainly by the time they got to middle school and, and were of football age, which starts about, um, you know, with people looking at, at where they're going to go to high school and that type of thing, he was able to identify young men in the neighborhood um, and make sure that they were part of that organization. And so that kept a lot of folks out of trouble, is, is mm-hmm. my point. I'm sure that was my mother's goal with um, me. <laughs> mm-hmm. She knew where I was, but she was right there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Hey, that, and that's yeah. how our mamas were, you know. Right, mm-hmm. right. So um, just that experience is like my best experience. I, I am so grateful, ever grateful, to being a 70s kid and having the Northwest Detroit experience of community, and that is why I fight so hard for folks who need to know that community exists for them, those who are told that, you know, they don't exist or they don't need to exist. So. Now, when last you were here, because you were here um, earlier this year, right? Mm-hmm. What did you yeah. notice that was different? that kind of surprised you and that you missed seeing from back in the day? The neighborhood, my old neighborhood just looks so different. Um, I have to shout out um, my sister, Felicia Wilson, right here. For uh, Whenever I come home, we, we, we connect and we usually go to the water. This last time we went to the river walk, I had never been. Um, we went to the Riverwalk, and then we decided we were hungry, and we were invited to a Juneteenth celebration, and we, we did that, and we stopped and got corned beef. Um, I suggest this place where um, I grew up on um, Wyoming and, and Margarita, and, or Curtis, I think it's Curtis. And it just, the whole, you know, just the whole area just looks so different. Um. It feels different. It feels different because it looks different, and right. um, you know it's still COVID, so it wasn't it wasn't um, you know a lot of people outside yet. You know that it was June. Um, I'm going home later this month, and um, you know we'll we'll see. I'll, I'll be I'll be looking. Mm-hmm. Well, you know I thought. Uh the Avenue of Fashion. And, you know, like you said, that was like where, you know, it was the Avenue of Fashion. And um, I had some friends who used to live here, and we went in, and we were driving down Livernois, and they were like, this is different. I'm going, oh, what do you mean it's different? And they were surprised at the level of gentrification. They had seen it down by what we used to call the Cass Corridor and go to the Dally and everything. They had mm-hmm. seen how that area had changed. In fact, I was actually going from Cass Porter to 
I know one point it was the university district, now it's Midtown, to where, you know, there's no coffee house. Um, there, the people who made it, the artists and things who used to be all down in that area are gone. And they, they, were, they had heard about that. But when we went down Livernois, they were like, wow. I mean, what's happening to Detroit? And I'm going like, well, you know, it's what's happening in many cities. And right. I mean, you know, and I don't, um, I don't know if you remember Marlon Brown. He and his partner Danny Terrell, they live in Seattle now. And he yes. was like, he he said the same thing that you did. He came back, he went to the neighborhood, and the neighborhood had changed. And now he was like, you know, we should have bought some of these houses up. You know, we should to keep that community. And he thought that was just like, in some ways, that was although he was happy to see Detroit blossoming, I guess, he was unhappy to see what he felt was a displacement of the black community. Again. Uh, again. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And, yeah. That is, is, is big, but where where I went, it was, it they retained black ownership, so um, I was happy to see that. You know, mm-hmm. but I do know that gentrification is is an issue, an ongoing issue, um, because it displaces the citizens that are already there, ruthlessly so, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, I remember, yeah. you know, like I said, you raised, you had your daughters, you raised them here. You passed, you know, you took that go west, young woman. <laughs> what have you enjoyed <laughs> about being? West. I know you were in California for a while before you ended in, in Vegas. What have you uh, found that made you feel right at home? And what have you missed? I know you missed our winters. <laughs> yes, yes, yeah, just, just a little bit. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, actually, when I first left, I went to Tucson, Arizona, and that was in January of 07. And um, during my first week there, they had an MLK Caesar survive um, park outing. And I went, and there were so many beautiful black and brown bodies. I was like, Tucson is going to be groovy, you know? Mm-hmm. Oh, my goodness. No. At that time, um, 2007, I don't believe that the civil rights movement had taken place yet in Tucson. We know that Arizona was the last state in the union mm-hmm. to adopt um, MLK Day as a national holiday, and they only did it then because they didn't want to lose out on Super Bowl money. So shame on me. I knew that before I went. <laughs> mm-hmm. And they mm-hmm. did not prove me wrong. And so the running joke while I was there was brothers come to um, Arizona on vacation and they go home on probation. So, mm. you know, Already, they did already, you already know. You already know. And they did not let me down. But I did find some wonderful spots um, um, in that place. One is a a um, a sweat lodge, a real sweat lodge. And it's in a residential neighborhood. And they have a women's night, one night. And then they have a co-ed night. And they have a men's night. So I went on, on, on women's night near the pool and everything. And 
I learned that I was a little bit of a prude. So it's, you know, <laughs> 95 degrees still at night. There's an outdoor uh-huh. shower. You can shower. You can get in the pool and you can go sit, you know, in this in this beautiful, this little teeny tiny space that maybe holds about seven or eight people at top. And I said, I'm just going to keep my, I'm going to keep my, my suit on <laughs> when I go in there. In that, in that, in that little teepee. Wow. It was so freaking hot. I just wow. remember stripping everything off. I said, oh, nobody touch me. I don't see nobody's body to it. And then I got home with my arthritic back. Um, and, and, um, I slept like a baby. So that's one of my, that was one of my favorite spots. And I found out about that spot. Because I met a sister who had locks in line in C in a CVS in Tucson, and black people would not speak back to me. I didn't know what was wrong, um, and so I made an appointment with the president of the Black Chamber of Commerce to want to shop my resume. But really, I wanted to know what was wrong. Why is it that when I look at other black people, they turn away or look down or whatever? Is it my locks? You know, they were down my back. Mm-hmm. It was that it was twenty oh seven. I thought, you know, yeah, I'm sure you've seen lots before. Um, and he said, I'm gonna be honest with you. He said a lot of people came here from Texas and never learned to lift their head up. So it's very clickish. If you are you know, you did you didn't roll from Texas and you're not part of that Texas crew, they really not going they're not gonna mess with outsiders. And I said, this, this, is, this is shameful. What happened to the unity that I saw during mm-hmm. the MLK park outing? I, I, was, I, was, I was so disappointed. And I started applying to graduate schools in California, like, right after that meeting. I knew I wanted to write deeper and further. I was still trying to figure a lot out. And an MFA in um, creative nonfiction sounded like a good route to go at a school steeped in social justice. Mm-hmm. You know, that is how I ended up from Arizona to um, uh-huh. California. Yeah. You know, it's funny that the more, you know, we get into our community and we travel, there are things that are, you know, we aren't just like one size fit all, but there are cultural things that you'll see and you'll understand, like, why, why are these black people acting different? And they can tell those of us who are from somewhere else that, and to be, like you said, and in that moment, you were the other amongst your own community because, you know, of that historical background. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So um, you, yeah, so I remember going to the LGBT. Huh? Uh-huh. Right, so you, oh, I and um, the sister came in late, so that made two black women in this room with a whole bunch of other folks. Mm-hmm. And she listened to me talk for a little bit, and she said, ooh, Tucson going to eat your ass alive. Mm. <laughs> and, you know, I said, again, all I can do is be me. Um, let me find out a better place other than this LGBT center. I do need, I, I needed their Wi-Fi really bad. I don't even know if Wi-Fi was was a thing yet in 2007, but or it, it was a big deal because I remember uh-huh. using their computer center for a few months waiting to get my Internet hooked up at my apartment. 
So, but but I understood that there was going to be some discourse between the LGBT center and I, just based on her comments. So mm-hmm. I was like, wow. And so I, I, I contacted the local um, LGBT paper there, the Tucson Weekly, and I wrote with Jimmy for about a year and a half. Pretty much what I wanted to write on my experience uh, as a black lesbian in Tucson, Arizona. <laughs> wow. So, so you started immediately starting to look to get to California. What, was that like night and day going from Tucson to California? Yes and no. Um, it was a busy time. I was adjusting to a lot. Um, I was going through a divorce. Um, and soon after I got there, my mother got sick. So mm-hmm. California was a different time. But I thank God for my um, Long Beach, Los Angeles, black lesbian community. I really do. They They, they saved my life. Honestly, um, and then there have been um, two different occasions. On uh, one, I was hosting a, a chat, a peer-to-peer chat group at the Long Beach Gay and Lesbian Center, and tying it into a practicum I had to do um, as part of my graduate program at Antioch, the right thing. Mm-hmm. And day. Um, walks in, only I didn't know her as Iyotunde. I knew her as Latrice, who co-founded Spice back home in Mm. Detroit. Mm -hmm. And so that is where we first met in person. Um, And I tell you, um, there's a whole Detroit community in Los Angeles in the Long Beach area. There really is. And and she is is one of them. the other person, um, and, all, and my roommate who just passed, um, transitioned from this plane um, in May, um, connected all of us. But I go, she insists I go to this black lesbian retreat up in um, Northern California, hosted by the Nia Collective, which has been Put, they put on a retreat for 30 years, um, and my former roommate, Sherry Dowd, um, was trying to save it when they said, we need some younger sisters to take this helm over. We're tired. We've been doing this for 30 years. Uh-huh. <laughs> Come on, queer baby. Step up. Step up, ladies. Uh-huh. Um, yeah. Um, but I go to this retreat, and she comes back with, Kofi, and so we're all uh-huh. in the same cabin for for the weekend. Um, there is something about black women um, who are brought here to connect other black women, and I know you understand that as a sister queen, um, storyteller, story writer, poet, creative. I, I know this, um, and so. Though I only went like to the near retreat once, there was so much elder wisdom, black women, lesbian, butch, film. Um, I'm old school. I, I am not gonna give you the whole rest of that alphabet. I can't. I can't even do it. My my granddaughter has to 
keep me up to speed, and I'm slowly catching up. But I'm not going to add all the rest of it. Uh, but there was so much good woman energy in that space and, and, and their stories. And um, most of them had been coming to Mia, you know, the, the 30 years that we had been in existence. And there was a ceremony to honor the elders. And that is something I would like to see in Detroit. I'm working on so much with my current project um, because it will involve my grandchildren. My my two oldest are going on the payroll in 2022. Um, they, no, they they are. They 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 write. They they are wonderful on the computer. Um, yeah, let's put this creativity to work. And and. Um, because they, 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 they're going to have scholarships from the black queer community. I work too hard. I, you know, you know, you was on board with me. Those, those were volunteer, mm-hmm. volunteer positions. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So and you know, I, I, I'm about building the legacy that you, that you spoke of at the beginning. Legacy, legacy, legacy. Mm-hmm. I've had so much, um, been stripped of so much because of my identity as a queer black womanist. Um, as someone who speaks her mind, as someone who believes that um, the quietest of us deserves a voice, deserves to have their story told, deserves to tell their story. And I'm just, I, you know, I do curse. Um, I, I'm just sick of the bullshit. I just, yeah. I just am. Um, it is time for us to re-embrace the meaning of community. Um, I recall being in a workshop in New Orleans, um, the LGBT group organization SMAC, you recall them, um, Sexual Minority Alliance of Alameda County. Um, they had a, a conference, and uh, they brought a whole bunch of kids from California to New Orleans. And one of the workshops that I was in called into um, was on community. And I recall Mm -hmm. the president and the founder of that organization, SMAC, saying, I don't care if we stand here five damn hours. Um, It is a, you know, this is a privilege. If you have a safe space to come, it's a privilege. This is an honor. Uh And you have to understand that the bullshit has to stop. Like, that is your sister. That is your brother. As a, as a black gay man, you know how hard it is out here. Why would you mm-hmm. treat her any less? Why would you do that? Why are you calling her, you know, you have a mama, don't you? You know, thank so you. so much so much learning, yes, thank you. So much mm-hmm. learning when any minute. We stayed sequestered mm-hmm. in that room until they understood um you know, God help anybody that was lying and, and still didn't understand what it meant to have community. Because if you've been out there on the streets homeless, if you've been in a home where you're on stage, it's not cool for you to go to sleep at night, you gotta, you're on pins and needles. If, if you've had those situations, then you know how to treat people a little better. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and that some of this stuff, I mean, that it's still... We have to collect these stories. We have to talk about it because some of it is still going on. And if we don't talk about it, I mean, I was telling somebody once how I had gone up to 
Ruth Ellis Center, and there was a young trans woman, and she said, I mean, and I, and I was just like blown away. She said, until she actually got involved in the program, she thought that was just the name of a building. And it was after she got there, then she saw the, the video about Ruth Ellis, that this was a real person, and right. she suddenly felt a right. charge to continue to do things. And, um, well, just recently I was, you know, on Facebook, and I saw a tape I mean, and she's retiring, and I don't know where it is. And it was like, and I mentioned it to somebody, and they were like, now, didn't he used to do something? And I'm like, didn't he used to do something? I mean, so we mm-hmm. have a lot of I hope he's. I experience. hope he's painting. I hope he's working on his art. I hope he's, he's a beautiful out. artist. He needs that. Mm-hmm. He just he, he the last time I spoke with him has been years ago. I saw him at I was home and I saw him down at the Eastern Market. He was working for Avalon. He, that's where he was. That's the last from. time. Okay, that's the last time I that's the last time I saw him and I asked him again. I said, Atiba, what you doing with your art, bruh? And he gave me another excuse. He is such a talented artist. I wish he would let himself mm-hmm. be free. Um because he has he, you know, he, he is gifted in in so many ways. I love Atiba. Mm-hmm. He gave me my um. He gave me mm-hmm. my name for, for, you know, for Urban Bush Sister. Mm-hmm. He gave me a list of but, names, and Urban Bush mm-hmm. Sister was the one I chose. <laughs> I but love Atiba. Because, because I mean, this is our history, and especially like I said, mm-hmm. we go down to certain parts, and it has changed so much, and. First of all, particularly for young people to know, like, you're not all brand new. Some of the stuff we've been working on, but maybe for all of us to come together and to find a solution. Because some people, I mean, I mean, I was talking to someone there and they were saying, like, after the last four years, someone said, oh, we need to go back in the closet. So, no, you can't go back in the closet. People need Mm. to know that not only are we here, we've been here, we're going to continue to be here. The coffee house is gone. Let's talk about this. Where is a place where we can go? I mean, I've met so many entertainers who I've seen other cities, you know, and who are doing it. You know, we have legends, legendary people. I was in Atlanta, walked into a conference who was there, Kofi. I mean, you know, we have to collect mm-hmm. stories because this is our history and this is who we right. are and we need to learn from that and there's strength in that. And, and you know what? And more importantly, is to give people their roses while they're here. Right. You know? Um, you know, as much as I love my city, I am I am really, I, I, you know, I may ruffle some feathers, but I don't give a damn. Um, I'm really over the corruption, the level, the amount, that seem to have a need for corruption um, that takes away from resources that community, in particular, the youth need. Mm-hmm. You know, um, growing up on the northwest side of Detroit, one of my favorite things to do on Saturday, going back to your earlier question was to ride the Hamilton bus to North Landmark mm, and spend mm, the mm-hmm. whole 
day. Ups and downs. Um, <laughs> Bakers, Winkleman's, 579, just, just hanging. I had a friend that worked, you know, at the popcorn place. I had autos. Oh, my God. I had another friend that worked at the little place that, that uh, had the little miniature chocolate chip cookies. So, you know, just going and just, it was a place you could go and you could hang out. Um, this was before the 1981, well, the, yeah, the, the curfew that came right after 1981. Mm-hmm. Um, it was a place for teenagers to go, um, you know, and then now there's not even a Northland Mall. It's, it's gone. Mm-hmm. So, um, mm-hmm. you know, you know, Bella, you can't just roll up on Bella. Now, you, you know, it's a state-owned park, so now you have to, you have to pay, you have to, you know, have a, a annual sticker. You're not coming on Bella for free. So that's another part of gentrification. Um, it takes away from, it takes away from the art of just having a place to clear your head and think, you know. And uh-huh. that is why I am such an advocate for mental health awareness, particularly in black communities. Um, I, you know, I was talking a minute about, you know, about, about you know, corruption and, and, you know, how we, we, we have to do, we have to do better. Um, and it seems fitting um, because I remember when Kwame Kilpatrick said, you know, in a meeting in a room I was in, I don't know if you were in that same meeting, um, where he said he, if one of his son's teachers was gay, he would remove yeah. his child. Yeah. Um, I've never forgotten uh-huh. that because uh-huh. you know, and, and look, look at him, and look at him now, and 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 uh-huh. we know as queer black women that the city of Detroit will welcome him back as they have doing, as they've done, as they're doing. Um, he ain't a stupid man. He knows that if he is at a four hundred one c three church, um, that he ain't got to pay regular taxes on that. So that's free money. All the gifts that. Uh-huh. His silver-lined tongue is able to prefer will do so, and women will be swiping those ATM cards because we uh-huh. we we are we are forgiving like that for everybody, usually except for our queer ass kids. Uh-huh. And on that note, um, because you mentioned Danny Terrell, um, I love him as one of the first my first employees when I was the director over at the Ruth Ellis Center, um, we were talking and I said, with what you're doing with your artwork, with your art, with dance, with mental health, how you are connecting black men to um, take a look and learn how to breathe and just be for a minute. We don't know how to be quiet anymore. Um, Uh I would like... I said, I'm, I'm assembling a group to, and I've been in touch with um, PFLAG for about a year going back and forth in emails and finally saying they are ready um, to talk to us about um, restarting a Detroit chapter. So over a course of several meetings, um, there were six of us. Over a course of six meetings, they hemmed and hawed. They didn't allow us to make any public announcement. 
And finally, maybe on meeting number five or six, they said, um, yeah, we have to really take it slow because whoever was last in charge of PFLAG family did not do right, and they were investigated by the IRS. They hadn't paid their taxes. It's a big mess. We have to move really slow. So long story short, um, they are... It'll probably be a, a cold day in hell when Detroit proper sees another chapter again. Who loses the fuck out? The youth of Detroit. And I'm just so tired of it. I am. I am. It just it breaks my heart. Um, uh-huh. It is not on one or two organizations. People hit things differently. When you know, many, many, many moons ago, when. Um, a Peace Flag Family Reunion was founded. Um, our, our biggest need were was from grandmothers who were parenting, reparenting. They were parenting grandchildren who were coming out as transsexual. They had no idea what to do with that. This episode of Collections by Michelle Brown is brought to you in partnership with the Center for Peace Counseling and Holistic Healing Services, bringing balance to your mind, body, and spirit. For more information or to schedule an appointment, visit the Center at www.thecenterforpeacellc.com. We're back here on Collections by Michelle Brown, and I'm talking with C. Imani Williams. You know, there has been, as black people, as black queer people, we have historical trauma. And you have, in many ways, gotten involved with wellness, wellness light, your wellness life coach, meditation, um, holistic creative arts, and Often it's through those ways that we can deal with some of this trauma. And you also talk about, you know, that's one of the things that that you talk about is trauma. Mm -hmm. You know, I see how, uh, and even healing from childhood trauma, how important is it? And do you really, do you see people taking a moment to acknowledge the trauma that you see. I mean, you know, because whenever you hear about somebody who's LGBTQ, particularly if it's a trans woman of color, whenever you, or someone black being killed, it might not be someone who you know directly. But as you have to watch that every day and see it, it's very traumatic. And we have to heal. Mm-hmm. How did you, mm-hmm. what, what, how is your work affecting that, and how are you addressing that in your work? Um, I am always concerned about okay, anyone that is marginalized. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Okay. 
So your work in, in wellness and addressing trauma, when did you find that, you know, that this is what you knew you had to bring to the table? Um, I've, I've always known it. And I, I, I would say a, a very defining moment, though, was um, the probate case that I went through after my mother's transition. Mm-hmm. Um, my one, I only have one sibling. She is an attorney, a family law attorney, and an MBA accountant. And she absolutely um, relieved me, my girls, and my grandchildren of what my mother left here for us because I am gay. Um, mm. You know, I hired a gay attorney. Um, you got to believe you have to. Um, I believe I believe that a person um, has to be vetted on whether or not or their level of outness. I don't believe she was out. My sister was a pit bull, um, and that woman did not help me one iota. <laughs> so um, I feel I feel some kind of way about that, and 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 legacy does matter. So I, you know, the book, the short story is titled "Legacy of a Love Betrayed." Um, my mother deserves better than. Um, what my sister has done. And so that's been a, my big, my big, that was a big defining moment of one coming forth so that people understand if there is someone gay in the family and they, um, there is resistance or they are not loved or they don't feel loved and they are um, talked about, shunned, shamed. Um, and they do nothing about it at all, or they just ignore it altogether. That is not what family is about. That is not what love is supposed to be about. And and, and the shame on you, get your life together, really. There has to be mm-hmm. a space for people to hear other people say, you know, so they can just hear a varied opinion. I'm not even asking you to to agree 100%, but I am asking you to show that person, you know, respect. Don't have don't invite them to Thanksgiving and then talk about them. You know, there has, and if that's what's going to go down, then the community has to have some safe spaces. I know when I was in Detroit, um, Kofi made sure that we had something going for. Um, that college age position uh, population down at Wayne State University. I can't think of the name of the group right now. Can you? Mm. Was it? Uh, um, was it? Uh, no. Was it Caribou House or was it Audre Lorde? Yeah, no. Um, no, House? it was a bi-weekly rap group. It was oh, open okay. to anybody from mm-hmm. the, from the black gay community lesbian, trans, gay male, wherever you were on the variant, um, and um, so there, was there so that there would be a spot so that people didn't feel like they needed to end up in Palmer Park twirling um, and, you know, scanning people for cash. Mm-hmm. There's too much going on. Um, mm-hmm. we we got to have 
we got to have some conversations, and it's ugly, and it has to do, I think, a lot with the fact that as black people, we've never had a, a total village conversation mm. um, since slavery. We have not. And so much has gotten, you know, lost over time, or we continue to just handle down, handle, you know, hand trauma down generationally because we've never taken the time to talk about it. It's painful as hell. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. It is, it is trauma filled. Um, you know, I, 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 I encourage anybody that, that, that has not, um, read, you know, black slave syndrome, please check it out. It is real deal. Epigenetics are real. We carry this trauma in our cells, in our DNA. And if we don't break cycles, it will continue generation after generation after generation. And I say this as an addict of much, and I say this as a survivor of much. You know, you got to take time for mental health. Um, you know, I think about the number of of people who've gotten together um, since the COVID pandemic started. You know, they thought you know they thought they were in love in January, and by March first, <laughs> they were quarantined with this person. Mm-hmm. And you know, if you move really, really fast, at least in my experience, if you move really, 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 really fast, um, you might find yourself in a bad situation. So now mm-hmm. that we you know we're quarantined and um, folks that, you know, that mask is starting to come off, they're starting to show some true colors and it's not looking as sweet. But now you've got this person moved up in your house with you and your kids. Mm-hmm. You know? And, and we don't even talk about the domestic violence between black queer women. We don't. Mm-hmm. We don't. And I, I hear, you know, too often about, you know, the, you know, folks having guns put on them and put in their mouth. And, you know, if you'll believe me, if I see you with that, be again. And, and so that's some real damn dysfunction. So I'm talking to queer women. I am talking to straight women. I am talking to my trans sisters um, who I assume follow the um, black male, what used to be protocol. I don't know if that's changed, but um, I understood from, you know, black gay men that in order to vie for who was the top or the bottom in the relationship, Mm -hmm. that was, you know, it was handled with, with, with physical fighting. Well, you're not going to beat my ass and then turn around and tell me you want me and you love me. Thank you. No, Mm -hmm. we're not going to do that. Mm -hmm. So I'm talking to them too. Mm -hmm. So I want to touch um, folks in that 19 to 37-year-old target population, be they um, male-identifying, female, gay, or somewhere on the binary. I don't care. Um, But I'm tired of, I've grown tired of going to funerals. Mm -hmm. I've walked out of funerals because that that beautiful trans sister laying in the job got dressed up like a dude. Um, Would I stand for this? So I'm going to leave. Mm -hmm. 
You know, you the know? other thing that you, I, that you talked that. about, you know, which which we don't because, I mean, I know what you went through with your mother. I know my last sibling of my parents, when she died, that's how they were. And, you know, some people would just, you know, forget them. you got your chosen family. But there's that level of hurt, you know, to have, to be cut off, to be treated that way and to not. And sometimes just walking away doesn't do it. And what you do is you hold that hurt, you take it into your relationships, your kids see it, they suffer for it. But, you know, I mean, it's like we have to stop to do it. And sometimes, like you said, you'll go to what you think are the arms of safety and and hopefully this love that you were cut out from. And you, like you said, they want to do the, either like the fight or who's the top, who's, you know, and it's, it's not right. I mean, when we still have mm-hmm. people, we have elders, I mean, and, I, and I'm, who have gone, and I can't think of somebody who was here, and they said that because she had no family, when she ended up in a nursing home, and she identified more on the masculine spectrum, and they said, and there she wasn't addressed. She had nobody to stand for her. Right. You know. Right. And that's that's not right. That's not okay. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Pe- people deserve better. And if their blood family um, is mm-hmm. unable to do it, then community better be there. They better be there. Um, you know, my 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 late dad, my my beautiful, beautiful, beautiful and brilliant cool cat. We did not see eye to eye on um, my my gayness at all. And um, I remember when I came out to him. I was, like, begging for confirmation, and he was a Libra, and he said, baby, you just shared some um, some news that, you know, he had really gotten from um, my ex-husband that I should not have married, I should not have, I should not have, um, I should have taken time to get to know me and who I was mm-hmm. and this, this this feeling of a great affinity towards women. <laughs> that was just I said, "Woo!" You know, I did my thing and 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 then I promptly stuck my toe back in the closet. So, actually, my ex-husband on his exit um, outed me to my to my dad, and when he asked me if it mm. was true, I told him yes, and. I, I needed him to understand that in this moment, in this moment, I am fighting for my life. I believe in a domestic violence, you know, situation that um, I got to come. I, I got to come to grips with it, and I'm coming in. I'm just coming into this thing that I got to see what that's about. Because at the end of the day, I have to be true to me. He wasn't mm-hmm. the answer. <laughs> he wasn't the answer, but my dad said, "You know, baby, you you know, you're asking me to answer something really big, really deep, and you got to give me a minute to think about it." Well, that's a typical Libra answer. He had to balance the scales. I got that, but mm-hmm. um, he did in in trying to better understand me when um, our sister um, Elizabeth Liz Marshall 
left this planet to escape pain, um, he attended her memorial. He did come. And I thank him for that. And I say all of that to say that we owe it to family members. And I'm talking to straight folks. You owe it. You do. To at least try to understand. Because nine times out of ten, your information is misinformed. Mm-hmm. <laughs> You're getting it from porn. Please stop. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Uh, you know, you're getting it from TV. No, book, we're not bro. all funny. <laughs> you're getting it from mass media. You're getting it from um, from 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 the entertainment business. You're getting it from Hollywood. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's 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 it, it's too much. I am a Detroit girl for life. I keeps it real. My sister right here, Michelle Brown, keeps it real. So, mm-hmm. you know, you know, you really owe it to yourselves to get to know us or someone like us as you get to know your queer family member as a person and not a fucking stereotype. There. Mm-hmm. Small curtsy. Big curtsy. Yes. Yes, I mean that. Mm-hmm. You missing yeah, I mean, out. You missing out. Mm-hmm. You missing out. You get that that boy you teasing. You better you better let him do what he do with those scissors and that hair. Mm-hmm. Let him do his thing. Kids are coming out um, younger and younger, and elementary school um, is is no longer unheard of. Mm-hmm. And and I don't believe that anyone chooses to be gay because I do believe this is a hard. And it doesn't have to be this hard, like, how dare you freaking judge me and you don't know me. But I don't believe that anyone chooses a lifestyle where people just hate you on on, on speculation. That's some mm-hmm. ignorant stuff. Say, oh, I like that. Like, oh, you can hate me. I like that. You know, it's like, yeah. You know, and, you know, part of my addiction and recovery is is, is coming through um, sex addiction. I had to look at myself. So I'm I am in my eleventh year of celibacy and so for those, you know, straight folk who equate being queer with being some sex freak, let me know. I'm let let me let you know. I'm as far um on the other end of the spectrum as, as one can get and it has not nothing to do with what one may think of me. It has everything to do with what I think of myself. And so that is part of healing, part of um, holistic um, self-care, self-love. Sometimes you just got you got to stop, pump the brakes. Yeah. And that goes yeah. for whomever is just out here. Mm-hmm. Oh, when you look at you, you love you. I mean, and you are happy. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, you're living, you're living, I mean, you're a renaissance woman. I mean, I was looking, I was looking at your website, you know, and I knew some of the things you did, but I said, wow, you know, it's like you didn't get stuck in a box like, okay, I'm going to go and just be this or do that. You are exploring everything about you and all that you can be. How did you come up with standing on United Love Soul Project? I love that. 
Thank you. Well, standing on United Love Soul Project is my baby. Um, she is a culmination of this journey that I've been on um, for about the last 15 years. Um, attending Antioch University's um, creative nonfiction writing program was life-changing. Um, I was told that it is very rare that you have a student for their final project have something that they were writing on that they were going through currently, but I was, and it was a testament of um, writing doing what it do, you know, once again, which has saved my life. Um, mm-hmm. My goodness, it has um, sustained me. Um, on this healing journey, um, I started out a crybaby. I haven't been able to physically cry in um, about eight years. And um, so I am, I am in need of that release. Um, so the Soul Project healing work is as much as for clients as it is for me. Um, I need to be able to cry. <laughs> mm-hmm. So, you know, there's a, so 11th year of celibacy, um, 17th year of um, no alcohol consumption. Um, I am absolutely 420 friendly, though. Um, I believe in the power of the plant, and mm-hmm. I am a testament of being able to put down 11 um, post-hysterectomy scripts with cannabis and CBD. Um, I didn't like how those pills made me feel. And between um, an arthritic back and an annular tear that is only going to get worse, um, I do what I do holistically um, to keep off of a walking cane I was on for seven years. And it's been in the closet for about um, for a while, for years now. And um, I want to keep know, it that way as long as possible. <laughs> you know, and that's just so, like, holistically. And, you know, and there are things that, if you even look like ancestrally that we used, and using all kinds of herbs, all types of holistic um, treatments, using cannabis, I mean, there and CBD oil, there have been things that we have used and been healthy to where now, I mean, how many people do you know when you go and you talk to them, they've got this this laundry list of pills, and sometimes even if you go into Western doctors, they see you and they see you as black, female, and even of a certain age, and they're ready to get off the script and start writing this stuff for you without knowing mm-hmm. you and your body. Right, right. Well, we do, each of us have a absolute personal responsibility to be our own best patient advocate. Um, and by that I mean if it doesn't sound right to us to to question that and if need be to get a second opinion. Um, I, I saw a lot of 
disrespect as a patient in California, and it was absolutely counter to my experience in Tucson, Arizona, which was very, very much life-changing with um, a hysterectomy where they punctured my they punctured my they they punctured something needed my bladder mm-hmm. and um all I can say was I, I was treated with kid gloves there um despite that 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 little bit of that bad experience I had an overall positive experience with my um both my um general practitioner and and with my GM with the general practitioner I told him, you know, your population is clearly changing. I'm here. Um, there, yet there's nowhere for on this form for me to um, fill out at that time my spouse's name and the fact that I'm a, I'm a lesbian. So you need to update this shit. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. He said he went home. He said, I went home on my next visit. He told me, he said, I went home and I talked with my my feminist wife and daughter, and they absolutely agree with you. So the next batch um, will, you'll be all right with that. I said, well, thank you so much. <laughs> so, and I, I think it's important, that, again, that each of us, you know, do that. Um, you know, those that love you in this world are going to love you. Those that don't, you know, you can't worry about that. That's my that's my philosophy. Mm-hmm. You know, I hope to have I hope to have community. So my community might not be for everybody because I'm definitely for the underdog that has like that has this fire that 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 has to burn. It has to. They got they got to do this thing. And this is this is a good time for um for for us as black people um to really be proactive about um mentorship. Seriously. Mm-hmm. And you know, and to share those stories, because like what you just talked about, I was in Atlanta a couple of years ago, pre pre COVID at the Zaminobla conference, and they had a brunch where they were talking about health care. And there were still lesbians who were, like, intimidated by the health care system, were seeing those forms that weren't acknowledging that, and there were some who felt uncomfortable, you know, to go and say, by the way, and, you know, I'm gay, and you need to put my partner on there. And, you know, and it's like, oh, I don't, I just don't want to have to come out with it again. But you have to, and it's not just for yourself, you know, for the next right. patient that comes in and they do it. And I was telling somebody, I said, you know, you pay for your medical insurance, you've got a copay. If I went in a store and they disrespected me and I didn't feel I could tell them what I needed, I'd go somewhere else. You know, right. so if your doctor doesn't want to hear it, and doesn't want to do it, take your card and go down and find someone who will do. But we have to, like you said, advocate for ourselves. Absolutely. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. You know, and, and, and we, we have to do so without shame, and we have, to, we, have to, we have to know that we have the right to um, demand certain things. I'm paying you. Mm-hmm. 
Somebody saying you attached to my social security number. If, if you want to bring that up, you know, you, you're getting paid. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so please, you know, treat me like a person. And I had to call a doctor out um, in, in California, in Glendale, California, about, you know, this, this very thing. Turned his back on me and walked away. I had asked for um, an MRI, and I asked for um, a mild sedative um, so I could fly. <laughs> mm-hmm. He said no to both. <laughs> So I, I I kindly went home and wrote an email to his boss, who who I saw on the next visit, who apologized for this gentleman, um, and um, so okay, you know, yeah, I I need to, I just needed to be acknowledged here, and he also wrote that prescription for two little um, things so I could fly, <laughs> one on the way there mm-hmm. and one on the way back. Mm-hmm. Thank you, sir. That's that's it. You know, and we have to, we ha- we we have to be okay um, with pulling up our panties and our pants, our big girl ones and big boy ones, and doing it, just speaking up for ourselves, mm-hmm. because there are a lot of people that still don't want to see us here. Um, um, I think we've we've talked about everything except Vegas, which has. Um, well, we're, we're gonna get to get to that, and then oh, we're gonna we're gonna get okay. to. But we got time for it now. Okay. How? Okay, because you know, one of the things I talk about is how we stand in the intersection. Okay, not only are we queer or lesbian women, but you and I both are parents or mothers. You have you had daughters. You've got granddaughters. Okay, how important was it to you? To stand in this truth, not not just you know as a lesbian, but as as this woman who goes to a healthcare provider, because we know black women in general don't get the level of healthcare as you know others right. do. So how important was you to to stand in this truth as a black woman, as this mother, for that, so that they see, hey, this is how you do it. Extremely important. Um, again, um, you know, you named a lot of things um, that uh, a lot of perils within the uh, healthcare system here in the U.S. and how that pertains to Black women and how we are portrayed again by the media um, and the stereotypes that um, precede us before. We even, you know, hit hit down the doctor's office door sometimes. They've already, you know, made an opinion of you. Um, in, particular, uh, in particular, I notice this, of course, more so on the West Coast in, in California where, um, where there should be um, a lot more unity between black and brown women. There's a lot of work to do there. Um, they seem to have fallen into um, believing the stereotypes that are out there about us. So, um, you know, I, I have what this that thing I have my Detroit face. You know, I had to put that on a lot of times when I was in California it, because you're you're invisible to so much of the populace. You're certainly invisible to black men. <laughs> mm-hmm. As a black woman, I've I've read at least three books. One um, 
partnered by, or not partnered, written or penned by um, one of my schoolmates about that experience of of and just being from um, she's from the East Coast and experience of invisibility in Los Angeles as a black woman. It's real. It is so real. Um, but, you know, that was Long Beach was the place where I had my, um, my, my womanness and my sexuality stripped away as um, I was asked not to come back to a, not to return to a um, childhood sexual assault recovery group. It was it was such a horrible experience. Um, um, I wrote about it. Um, I, I was interviewed by the Long Beach Press, which um, went ahead and canceled canceled it. I said, well, if you don't want to take my word for what happened, I'm a black queer woman who was just put out of a recovery childhood sexual group when I came out. And the only reason I came out because I just couldn't take it anymore. I had yeah. sat there five weeks previous. Um, I understood that the founder was older. She founded that program when she was in her when she was eighty. What I didn't know was that she had a deep hatred for gay people. Um, she apparently yeah. had some horrible experiences, satanic, you know, at the hands of her mother. So she hated anything gay. But every week I listened to a gentleman who was the only other black person in the room, who was and he was older than me. He, his shoulders were slumped over. He just wore shame like a badge, and he was really struggling with his feelings of being gay. And so on my share on meeting number five, I said, <laughs> you know, you know, because I, I couldn't, I couldn't address it to him. That was against the rules. So, to the center of the room, I, you know, I said, you know, it is okay if you are gay. You are loved. I love you, and you have nothing to be ashamed about. And after that meeting, um, which was on a Sunday, I was working on a grant for the California Sexual Assault something, 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 this big thing they do in L.A. every year. And my phone rings, and it is the president of this group, the founder, the 80-year-old, along with her male vice president. And they did on a three-way call, and they said, you know what you did. You can't come back. I said, what are you talking about? They said, Mm -hmm. you know who you are, and you know what you do, and you know what you did. Mm. And they hung Mm. up. And if I had not been secure in my sexuality, I would have gotten off that phone and committed suicide because who walks into, you don't walk into a sexual assault group because it's the place to be. You at a low-ass point in life. How dare they? How dare they? So... Um, I wrote about it on the now defunct Skirt magazine. I don't know if you remember that, uh-huh. skirt.com. Uh-huh. Um, um, I wrote about it. I wrote about it wherever I could. I really did. I was so I was so upset. And so we absolutely must use our voice. I don't care if four people read it. If they read it and passed it on to somebody else, thank you. You know what I mean? Uh-huh. I, needed, I needed to let that out because if I don't, I have some type of passage since I can't cry and I'm not fucking. I'm not having sex. Excuse me. Um, 
I'm not making love. All that. You know, mm-hmm. I worked on, I am, I, you know, I ain't doing to write the deed. Poetry. <laughs> I ain't doing the deed. I'm not doing, I'm not doing any uh-huh. of that. I have mm-hmm. to have a release, and it comes through writing. It comes okay. through writing. I can cuss yeah. a motherfucker out in five different languages in writing, and that feels, that feels pretty good. That feels like a woo-saw. And so as part of a wellness, wellness life coaching, um, and and using as many pract- holistic practices as possible, I hope to um, accomplish a few things. One, like I said, is adding the two oldest grandchildren um, to payroll in 2022. I also want to have programming um, specifically for black boys by themselves and then specifically for black girls by themselves. Um, I may not be the best person to run that part, but I want to have something to do with writing that program for rites of passage programming that I believe is missing within the black community, period. Okay. Well, let's take um, a break, and, and then we're going to talk about Las okay. Vegas, okay? Collections by Michelle Brown airs every Thursday at 7 p.m. You can subscribe now and listen to the podcast on Blog Talk Radio, iTunes, Stitcher, or SoundCloud. Be sure to like the Collections by Michelle Brown Facebook page and mark your calendar so you never miss an episode. back here on Collections by Michelle Brown with my sister, C. and Monty Williams. And so now, everything that happens in Vegas, is it staying in Vegas? You know, actually, um, I am trying to create a Detroit-Vegas hotline um, as mm-hmm. a newly medded wedding officiant here Um all right. I mean, mm-hmm. I've so many people that have come from Detroit since I've been here. I just celebrated my fifth anniversary on the 1st of um, of July. Um, so five years and people have come. Um, and I and I always, you know, make time to see folks and we grab a picture mm-hmm. and usually something to eat. And it's always good to see people from home. Um so no, it's not staying in Vegas. I'm trying to I'm trying to spread it out, make sure that I'm connecting um more people. I'm a little jealous of my friends that are here from um LA, um, that already had family here from Texas. It's it's, mm-hmm. it's pretty tight. And there's even a uh Facebook group, um Detroit, not Detroit. The Shy in Vegas. The Shy in Vegas. Mm-hmm. We need a, mm-hmm. we need a, we need a Detroit in Vegas group. Um, well, count me in. Because this I'm is such a such a different place. It really is. Mm-hmm. Folks from all o- all over. Um, it's the most 
transient place I've ever lived. It is absolutely the hottest place I've ever lived. I really miss the water. I miss the Pacific Ocean. I miss Belal. Um, California is, you know, like a, for me, just where I am, it's about a four-hour drive to L.A. Um, I don't get there often enough. I'm in Detroit more than I'm in Cali. Um, it's been an interesting transition, and um, I thank the poetry community. I thank the black arts community here. Um, it's real tight. It's real. Um, the pandemic slowed things down a bit, a lot. Uh, I'm waiting the reopening of Soul Sessions. Shout out to them over there. Um, like the most welcoming people in Vegas. Soul Sessions, Sticks and Stones, Poetry, um, um, Rail, um, where I was able to feature and talk, just minister to brothers a little bit about, you know, feeling safe and, and expressing love and that that's all right. And checking on your mental health, that's all right. And it's, it's okay to say no. And if you can't say no, bro, it's okay to use a condom. Absolutely, please. Uh-huh. This is another thing we didn't talk about a lot with COVID. I didn't hear a lot about um, the AIDS pandemic that um, continues to do its thing. Um, I didn't hear. I didn't hear as much about that as I've heard about um, what people should be injecting into their bodies or not injecting into their bodies right now. Uh-huh. Yeah, okay. and there's something wrong with that because we know disproportionately who will continue to catch hell on that. So we still need to continue to have that safer sex conversation as these um, COVID babies get ready to turn one. <laughs> well, you know, I you think know. that was that was what's so cool about doing that uh, BIPOC Queer Voices was looking at it and to find, and I knew exactly that, that Tim M. West was going to talk about being positive because, I mean, and there are people who don't talk about it. I mean, you don't mm-hmm. see as much. Although now I think you see more commercials than than you used to, but there are people are living longer, positive. But there's still a lot of young people who are living a risky life, and you know, mm-hmm. just because there's a shot that you can take, that doesn't mean that you need to do better. And we know black and brown people are at the bottom of, of the list. Right, right. Mm-hmm. And well, I hope that the you... parties have stopped, you know, I hope mm-hmm. the parties have, have, have stopped where folks who are intentionally going to these parties and um, mm-hmm. hooking up with people who were infected so that they could get supposed um, public benefits. Let's not do that. That's the, mm-hmm. You know, we, got, we, 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 are, we are brilliant. We are beautiful. We are alive. We are here. And we can all make a difference. And, and, and they got to know that. They got to see that. They got to see that because there's some garbage out here. Um, as an author, I can say that, and I, I don't know how mm-hmm. you feel about it, but mm-hmm. I just, come on, people. At least put some thought into it. Put some thought yeah. into it, because people are reading mm-hmm. this and they're ba- making their ba- making baseline assumptions on every gay person they come across based on 
this bullshit that you wrote. Stop it. Now that might even identify a few, but don't don't categorize everybody with, with that same broad brush. We are we are as different as we are politically black, as we are consciously black. We are different. And we gotta we got we just we gotta work on those intersections and bridging those gaps. We got to. Mm-hmm. Um we owe it to and the babies. Supporting, and supporting those who want to to tell a story because I know I was in it was at DC Pride at an author's forum and a young guy, you know, because I was talking about writing poetry and this and that and the other thing, and he said, well, really, if he wanted to make a living, he needed to write basically black gay ex- exploitation stories. Mm. And I said, well, is that how you really live your life? He said, well, no, but if I want to sell, I said, but, you know, to the message that you're giving to the young guy who might pick up your book and think, well, this is this is the life. It's not the life. Tell the... Tell your story, your true story. Right. Mm -hmm. You know, you got to just say, you know, right now he's decided to give out to the, you know, give in to the dollar. And um, Mm -hmm. again, so I spoke of consciousness. He he ain't there yet. Um, So therefore, you know, he's one of them others that he just can't, he can't represent me. Um, I want, and I have, one, I have three grandsons right now, um, so I had to do a lot of readjusting on my take on the black male. Mm-hmm. I really did. I, you know, I keep it real. Um, and then as a grandmother to not only them but to grand, you know, granddaughters and. I just I want this world to be a better place for them. I'm I, I am dismayed about a lot that I see, but I have to live my name, which means faith. I have to live that, believing that I'm equipping them with what I know, and creating a legacy so that they can carry forth. Um, I could a lot I could have done a lot of things with a master's in counseling that I held way before going to California. I had it since 1990. I could have done a lot of things with it, but I chose community. And while community has not always loved me back, it has not. (laughs) Um, I am here for my grandbabies, and I absolutely you know, don't intend to die in the desert. I doubt very seriously whether I will marry again. I don't, I am, I'm not, I'm just not interested after, after three. I marry people. I, I am not the marrying one. Um, I'm not, I don't have that kind of time. After one has been, um, you know, suffered a great loss um, financially that would have provided a different lifestyle, perhaps. At least the struggle wouldn't have been as hard mm-hmm. it is as it has been, but I am thankful for the journey. I am stronger. I am better. I am wiser. I am here. And my voice, man, um, God said now is the time in answer to your earlier question about standing on United Love Soul Project. God said this is absolutely the time. You will put together 
that MFA in writing with that MA in counseling, and you will change community. You will be a you change know, agent. That's it. You know, we, we started out talking about, you know, like us and your daughters in Detroit summer. And someone often tells me, I always go back to that, that, that Jimmy Boggs would always say, and when in doubt, I always go back to that. He would always say, what can we be that our children might see? And that's what you just said. I mean, you are, like you said, you could have gone this way and that way, but you're building a better world for your children, for their, your grandchildren, for their children. And that's, that's your focus. That's it. That's it. Um, I have learned through all of this that, you know, people are going to be who they are unless they are willing to change. So um, that 19 to 37-year-old target group of um, black women is my first. Um, And if I can help others along the way, um, I will do that. You know, I want to absolutely... um, We'll be ready next summer with a yoga program for um, kids. My my two-year-old has done yoga with me. Um, the four-year-old, we've done some things. And the um, 11-year-old just finished a technology camp in Southfield. And part of their curriculum during this last week was to do yoga in the park. And my daughter was just telling me how powerful the picture of all those black boys walking with those yoga mats under their arms, chilled. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. That was beautiful. I, 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 was, I, 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 like, I had to make a picture in my mind. And I just thought they, they need that. That meant they got to let down that bravado. I got to be tough. I got to be, you know. No, you don't. No, you don't. You get to be you. Just relax. Breathe. Mm-hmm. And, and our kids mm-hmm. need that. And mm-hmm. Yes. And our girls, need, our girls need that. It is hard being a black girl anywhere as long as um, men are protected as they rape and, 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 and pillage and do what they do. And they don't get you know, the book thrown at them or, you know, at least some street justice. <laughs> mm-hmm. I'm serious. Mm-hmm. I, I am I am over it. Like, who, hashtag, who's looking out for Keisha? Seriously. Mm-hmm. Every, every girl has a story. Mm-hmm. Go ahead. And they still, and media does things that sort of make it where they can go out with that same crappy dialogue like, well, you know, somehow or other that boys will be boys and girls were asking for it. And that's that's just They have yeah. to know about autonomy over their bodies, you know. I'm mm-hmm. in Vegas. This is a hub for sex traffic trafficking. Um, you know, my daughter sixteen years ago was working at home for alternatives for girls and she was almost snatched off the corner of Michigan and um, wherever they're located now, their new building. They've been there about yeah, 20 I know, years. Yeah, I know, I know exactly. Mm-hmm. Oh, then they're near the Boulevard. Not Michigan and Trumbo, that's the old one. Yeah. Yeah, but, but yeah. now. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. 
And she was gra- almost grabbed by two women in a car. The only reason she got away, she said, was because the big, she said, that big girl that looked like a man did not have a weapon. Um, the driver got scared and said, who she said was Puerto Rican, and said, um, come on, dog, let's go. Mm. So wow. I, that was 16 years ago. Mm-hmm. You know, and I and I had a student. Um, I went to do a workshop at AFG on for women who were looking to get out of um, the sex business, and they were at different levels of leaving. Some had already left their pimp. Some were trying to leave. Some were had left and come back. But my heart stopped because one of my former babies from. Uh, area high school was there, and when I heard Miss Amani in that little voice, I was like, "What are you doing here?" And she had gotten up, caught up in a ring that was going from yeah. Detroit, Chicago, and Ohio, and they got um, ring got busted um, when they stopped in Highland Park at the strip mall on Woodward, the Foot Locker, and her family said, "You can't come home because you were mm-hmm. hoe now." Mm-hmm. So. Mm-hmm. Um, we have so much trauma to heal from, period. And that is why I am charged, I do believe, um, to do what I'm doing. And, um, I just, I just want to see us do better, have better, be better, um, and not drop the ball because the babies deserve better. They, they deserve a legacy too. Mm-hmm. They deserve a legacy too. I mean, you know, I was on um, Facebook earlier for a minute and I saw one of my babies um, from Northwestern post her new house in uh, Royal Oak. And I am so just proud and happy for her because she's like the same age as my kids. And she's, you know, she very supported by family, very driven, and um, just a reminder to any and everybody out there that, you know, you can do it too. You can do it too. Get out your own way. Get out your own way. You know? And if if you're going to stay in Detroit, you've got to do what you can to make Detroit better. Shout out to mm-hmm. the North End, doing so much right now. So much. Um, you know, so the much. North End was a respite for me. And um, I came home for a year after my mom passed. I was home from October of 2012, and then I went back to Cali October of 2013. But during that year, I was um, in Detroit with a very dear sister friend who opened her doors and said, come and heal, because when I needed to come to Cali, you opened yours. Community, community. Mm -hmm. And so I learned about the North End. I learned about the rich history. I learned about these elders um, that were living on these blocks without lighting. And then I watched community come together and just keep going down to the city council and saying, damn it, we need lighting over here. It is Mm -hmm. not safe. This grass is high. There's no lights. Cut the grass. We pay city taxes in Detroit. Mm-hmm. And so it's being celebrated right now with with the Oakland Gardens, where you know I've had the you know the pleasure of 
um, you know, shopping for fruits and vegetables and seeing stuff being planted and seeing it come up and seeing all the talent in the community. And, you know, for our area to be labeled, you know, all over the media and on YouTube as just blight field, which it was, and it did need the attention. But shout out to those residents who have stayed and those new folks that are coming in that are doing the work to make it a better place. Cause and, you know, I, and during COVID, and I've been look, working with some people, been getting out grants, that community from providing food, from caring for each other, like, shoot, they put, they, they're doing, the North End is doing what community is about. And it makes you feel yes. so proud. Mm-hmm. Yes. And so I want to urge people, you know, to get over there and, and see the art exhibits, see all the beautiful mm-hmm. street art, um, see what's going on in the neighborhoods. Because, you know, Detroit cannot just be ever just downtown to midtown. There are mm-hmm. neighborhoods. There are people. There are families. There are folks rooted um, who have stayed when others like myself, needed a reprieve, but I'm coming back. And mm-hmm. when I come back, one of my goals with the Soul Project is to open a, like a heritage house, which existed when I was a kid in Detroit, um, over on, on Warren, West Warren, right by Wayne State. And it was run mm-hmm. by this beautiful elder named Dr. Josephine Love, rest in power, um, I was able, while I was um, subbing at Northwestern High School, take my fashion students to meet her. And we had to have a conversation before that field trip, and that was you keep your elbows in your laps. Do not go on her. Do not go on her. We had to go old school with it, and here's why. Because she was about legacy. Like her mother was a graduate of Spelman College back Back in the day when many black women um, were doing their hard, back-breaking domestic work, her mom was a spellman. She was an accomplice, you know, pianist. And what she had done in the city of Detroit was create a cultural space for black youth. Now, this was not a place like Northwest Detroit Cougars for me. I only remember going one summer and maybe maybe like four or five times, but it was fascinating. And so I had to get back to see her as an adult and to make sure that I took some other black kids with me so that they would understand that this place, because this lady was in her 90s. She was like 90 at this time. Mm -hmm. Um, And so they needed to hear this, this knowledge from this elder and be blessed to get it from her directly. So I want to do something like the Heritage House, and that will include um, the yoga, the meditation, the mindfulness. It will um, give kids an opportunity to breathe. I want to look at, you know, holistic arts. We also will have the rites of passage programming because in Africa, our, our kids, well, black kids, African kids get rites of passage Mm-hmm. Um, for girls, you know, they go um, away with the elder women in the village for like six weeks, and when they come back, they're honored with cowrie shells. That might be a cowrie shell necklace or a cowrie shell ring or a pair of cowrie shell earrings, but it means that she is now a woman, 
at 12 mm-hmm. or 13. But she's gotten some skills on, you know, keeping house and keeping herself clean and and, and just honoring who she is and who she is becoming as a woman. And we, as black people, don't have that. The Latina girls get for Kinsey and Adams. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes, I do. They you do. Know? Mm-hmm. You know, the Jewish girls get the bar mitzvahs. Everybody got something but us. And with the decline in the um, Y team programs of yesterday through the YWCA, um, or with the restrictions that they're placed under, I don't know, are they gay-friendly now? I used to work for the Y. <laughs> I don't know. Well, I know for the longest they um, were, you know. In fact, that's why I sort of lost base touch with them because it was like, you know, <laughs> I just want to feel that. Check with, for, his, for Detroit history on that, check with um, Dr. Kofi. She okay. has some YWCA ties. Mm-hmm. Um, and like I said, I work I worked there in 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 the nineties, and um, there was no programming on the books, and I was the Y the the um, youth team coordinator. But um, it was very 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 interesting leadership. That that's the other thing. I'm gonna need I'm gonna need black leadership mm-hmm. to take it to another level with reaching young people. Yeah, I'm missing the mark, particularly if um, you are now second generation cross eight mile. Mm-hmm. Um, some of you have changed. I am not. If you give back and you go back to your hood where you grew up and, you know, the kids can count on, on Mr. Johnson on, on, on Saturdays where y'all, you know, raking the community garden, great. But if you don't take your kids there, I got a problem with that. I have a problem Mm -hmm. with you. If you are not doing what you can in honor of where you came from, because we all stand on the backs of somebody else, let me tell you, (laughs) that good-ass paying job could disappear tomorrow. Tomorrow. Matter of fact, you could get hit by a car and be a paraplegic and not be able to do what they're paying you that big money Mm -hmm. for no more. Mm -hmm. Um, It's about legacy. It's about um, pride in where you came from. Um, And I hate black respectability politics, so you'll never hear me talk that, but do have some self-love and some self-pride and feel some kind of way good about, you know, um, where you came, where you come from, and if you mm-hmm. think real hard, you know that there was somebody um, queer not not only in your family growing up, but somebody on your block too. Think about it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, because really, I mean, that's those are you know they talk about about representation, but representation about people who are there and anybody. I mean, if you start, I was I was having a conversation. Like I said, just recently, and they said, well, what made you think about this? And I could remember when my mother would go to vote and she would take us and the ladies who would always be at the table, and it mattered something. It mattered, you know. And I said, that's why I try to go to vote, because maybe one of these kids will see, here are these adults coming in here, and it, and, it, and you do that. Or my godmother who uh, would be on a block club to trying to do things and helping her pass out out flyers because 
it mattered to her what happened to a community. So we, like you said, we need to go back, show up. It will, we're paying it forward, but we're also lifting up our kids, you know, and mm-hmm. showing them how magnificent we are. You know, all the stuff that they've seen, and unfortunately there were generations where they saw not the best images, but this is the real. This is who we are, and this is the real, you know, so. Well, we're almost yes, come we to are. the end of our time here, but I have to say, when you said that you had been on a cane, girl, I've seen those TikTok things where you're dancing, and it's like so joyful. But you're Thank dancing you. and you're joining, and, uh-huh, and you're smiling. I mean, I'm going like, and you, and I said, and, I, and I'm thinking about that, and then you, and she said she was on a cane, so I mm-hmm. mean. Yeah, when the grandbaby started coming, I threw the cane down behind the dresser, and I said, "I'm, I, I'm not having this." Um, All right. And I've been blessed, and I've been off of it, and um, you know, I know one day because I got, like I said, I got this this issue with my hip and my back. So, but not not today, not today. Mhm. <laughs> mhm. Mm-hmm. Well, Imani, it has been wonderful talking to you. When you come back this way, you know, hit me up so I know. Um, we'll talk about yes. more of this in person, okay? Sounds good. Thank you so much for um, for allowing me to share um, and, to, and to share some really precious, some really precious memories. I tell you, just because our history is so deep, it evokes so many stories. And I do look forward mm-hmm. to collaborating on something with you in the very near future. I really do. Well, 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 we will. I mean, because I want to thank my guest, poet, activist, entrepreneur, and the original Urban Bush sister, Imani Williams, a creative determined to live her purpose as a healing artist through her Standing On United Love Soul project. Imani has used a combination of holistic creative arts including yoga, meditation, mindfulness, poetry, essays, and jewelry design to empower others. Be sure and follow Collections by Michelle Brown Blog Radio on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And let us know if you have a suggestion for a guest or a topic for a future show. You can listen to this or past episodes of the show on SoundCloud, iTunes, Stitcher, or Blog Talk Radio. Join us next week when I'll introduce you to another amazing individual living between the lines, standing boldly in the crosshairs of their intersectionality and creating change right here on Collections by Michelle Brown. Thank you for listening. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.